with the Sony Alpha FX3. And this camera, I have it pulled up right here. Um, you can buy this camera for $3,899. Um, Dang, from 20 to 30,000 down to below four. Uh, the trailer was so good. It was, it was. I'm going to Aaron understand AI really well. Yeah, we're, we're the good yeah. people you want to hear talk about it. Exactly. They made this movie on the small budget of $80 million, which when this movie was originally pitched, supposed to cost an estimated $300 million. Welcome to Backseat Directing, where we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, and more. We're your hosts, Andrew and Aaron. We put out new episodes every Monday and Thursday. And on this episode, we're doing a movie review on... The Creator. Three, two, one, action. Andrew, The Creator came out. It's It's been a good week or two. Since this movie's dropped from when this episode is going to be released, we're probably like a week and a half away from the time it was released from when we're recording. Yeah, I saw it almost two weeks ago. Yeah, and you saw it last week. Last weekend, yep. we unfortunately, a few days didn't ago. Go see it together. Yes, which that was my first time going to the movies by myself. Which it was all right. It's literally only like my second, yep. but I do really enjoy it. It's just a comfortable, like isolated. You went by yourself too. Yeah, yeah. I I just. It's no one wanted to see the creator with me, which well, yeah. when we get to the movie's box office numbers, we'll they'll see that nobody wanted to see yeah. the movie with me. No one wanted to see it with me either because we couldn't sync up. We were both kind of out of town, different times and stuff. And then the the boys I work with, who Justin, who's been on the show a bunch of times, and John from Cinema 3D, they were on a shoot. This episode that, sponsored that day. So no, you're, gonna just to, you're, gonna to, you're gonna have to block that. Oh no, no, shout out. Oh, you said Cinema 3D. I was thinking something else. Yeah, because no. you said the boys you work with. Okay, yeah, Cinema yeah, 3D. Yeah, yeah we'll sponsor yeah, them all day yeah, long. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, they were they were on a shoot that day, so they couldn't go with me to watch it either. And I also asked my sisters, and they were like, "Is that movie supposed to be good?" <laughs> I was like, "Come on, come well, on!" The trailer was so good. It was. It was, it was. I was so excited for this based off the trailer and the concept. Yeah. I am excited to see uh, what your rating of the movie is, you know, like especially given the box office numbers and stuff. I'm worried about my rating because it's the longest after seeing a movie so far for the show that I've waited to rate something because I didn't know we were covering you, it for sure when I saw it. Right. So I rated it like a week and a half after having watched it. Yeah. And I rated it today. So it's been like four days since I've watched Not it. Not the freshest ratings. Yeah. But I have been doing some research the last like two days or so. So I kind of have the high of like researching the mm. topic right now too um but yeah let's let's kind of dive in we haven't done a movie review in a little while but we typically start off with a movie summary so they're like my favorite thing so yeah they are a lot of fun um all right towards the end of a war between humans and artificial intelligence a former undercover soldier joshua discovers a secret weapon that if not destroyed could bring an end to the human race that secret weapon is a robot in the form of a six-year-old child. Can Joshua kill a child in order to save the human race? 
Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. You wrote that? <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm, I'd go see the movie based off that. See, it's, it's the voice, man. It's the <laughs> voice. I should get into like some voice acting, you know? <laughs> uh, if if whoever's editing my voice, I could work if they're good. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> This, this movie definitely has really good concepting. Like the story of the movie is tried and true. The the idea of the pairing we've talked about a ton of times where you've got like the the older, more experienced person, and then you've got like the child they're paired with to either protect or work alongside. We've seen it with Joel and Ellie in The Last of Us. We've seen it with Kratos and Atreus and God of War. We see it over and over and over yeah. again. Happens all and the time. It's something about it just works. It's, yep. you know, it endears you to both of them because you see like the child will usually soften up the adult character that's more hardened and like kind of makes you like shed a little tear when mm -hmm. the, the and we are gonna spoil this movie by the way yes yes spoiler alert for the creator this is not a spoiler free review and in in this like setup too normally that child is super powerful or valuable in some sort of way which is exactly the case with this you're so um, right about that because that is always the, yeah another key like detail. Goguru and Mandalorian yeah same thing super powerful you know? same thing with the two examples I already gave yeah yep. it's every time yeah uh so we we've definitely seen this type of story before maybe the twist for this is he's supposed to kill said child um I feel like that isn't yeah. necessarily the case all the time I feel like a twist um, for it too is that the child is a robot. And like he says right. in the beginning, he's like talking about the difference between death and off. And like, it's not, it's not real. Like they can't right. really die. It's a machine. Yeah. So that's like a really cool sci-fi aspect. Of this. And, and we'll get into a little bit more, a little bit later of like the AI conversation. You know, that's something that we've talked about before. It's something that's very prevalent right now. AI is being used more than ever. Um, yeah. And but, me and Aaron understand AI really well. Like, yeah, where where the good yeah. people you want to hear talk about it? Exactly. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's kind of get into the ratings, the earnings, and the creators of this movie. This movie came out 2023. The creators, clever. I saw that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, came out this year, 2023. Rated PG 13. It's two hours and 13 minutes. Pretty digestible. Um, IMDb has it at a 7.2 out of 10 right now. Rotten Tomatoes for the critics has it at a 67 percent. With 284 reviews, audience has it at a 77% with 500 plus reviews. Um, the budget for this movie was a lot of the talk around this movie is they made this movie on the small budget of $80 million, which when this movie was originally pitched to studios and, and the concept was being drawn up and stuff, it was said that this movie was supposed to cost an estimated $300 million. Well, so, I guess aim low and you know, aim for the moon and you land among the stars, yeah. I guess, kind of. So they, they did a lot of interesting things, a lot of uh, creative things to bring that budget down to allow them to still make this movie at the level that they did with the budget that they had. So we'll... We'll again talk more about that. Again, we're what like a week and a half away from it coming out uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. Right now, the box office is at sixty-one point nine million dollars. So they have yet to make that small budget back. Um, it's still kind of early, um, but it, I, it's it's very that's that's it's bad. It's it's more than a week and a half since the movie came out. Um, it, I think it's came out a little bit over two weeks ago. So these numbers are only going to continue like their weekly returns are only going to like drastically go down after like 
after like the first two weeks, even yeah. the first week, they start to, to take big chops. Mm -hmm. um, and some movies have a resurgence, but I don't really see that for this movie because I'm not hearing a whole lot of people talk about it. Um, not that that should influence your opinion of the movie. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about it because I'm in the like film. the film yeah. world, you know, like not only just people who watch films, but also people who make content, yeah. you know? So uh, like I've heard about it a lot. I'm on like, I mean, although I am in a lot of like movie talk, like film talk, Twitter, yeah. movie Twitter, all that, like, and I'm just not seeing a, a lot like that you expect yeah. for a movie that's just come out. Yeah. It's, it's quieter than you would expect for sure. If it um, had been made up $300 million, it would be oh, a ghost town. Big flop. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it still kind of seems like a decent flop to me so far because they have to make a lot from right now to make their money back. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad movie. Yeah. Um, it, it is a good movie. I like this movie. Um, kind of like, I guess, early impressions. The movie was good. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed researching it for this podcast. What were kind of like your, without spoiling any of your ratings or anything, what were kind of your initial thoughts of the movie? I will say that it was good. Okay. That's, That's I mean, all you can say. It's a pretty lukewarm, you know, sentiment, Dang. but I think it was good. It was fun. Um, it looked really, really good. Looked yeah. really very good. But um, there were some elements that were definitely underwhelming for me. It That's did, fair. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd necessarily say it lived up to the trailer or my expectations based on the trailer. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I'll say. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into the creators in front of and behind the camera. You want to? Oh yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, and then we we we'll, we changed the show. Yes. And yeah. you remembered. Yeah. So we're <laughs> we're gonna do the creators first in front of and behind the camera. Who made this movie? And then we're gonna go into our ratings. We have a cool system where we break it down in different categories, and from there, that's where we'll talk about like the story, the acting, yeah. and and kind of like the movie itself. Um, and then after that, we have some behind the scenes information and um, like production details as well. So. Starting with the creators, Andrew, who was behind the camera? I keep laughing every time you say the creators. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> so the creator of the creator is Ooh. Gareth Edwards. Uh, Gareth Edwards it both wrote the screenplay and directed the movie. So something we always talk about liking and makes him yep. like the overall, you know, person who birthed yeah. this story yeah. into the world. Now, from, from conception to creation. Now, that basically makes Gareth Edwards an armada. So, you know, <laughs> he, can, he can wear that crown proudly. Gareth Edwards is a big, huge, in my opinion, up-and-coming sci-fi director. Yeah, what this guy worked on? He, most notably, he wrote and directed Ex Machina, which is a really cool A24 film. First A24 movie I ever watched. Definitely recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. And he also directed Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, which is... Probably my second favorite of all the Star Wars movies, which is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, that one was fantastic. And really awesome visually again. So yep. I think he's a really talented director, and he's shown that he can do huge movies, medium movies, and, he, and small movies. He started off as a VFX artist. That's awesome. Did you know that? And, I did not know And that. not as like someone who's working for Marvel or like these big companies or ILM or anything like that. Like he started kind of like us, like at the creator level, like just working on small little things in his house, in his bedroom or whatever, you know, and like that gave him some pretty cool insight of how to help lower the budget while keeping the quality really high. You know, like it's kind of like when a stunt performer is the director, you know, like the action is just 
through the roof. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, I. because e. John Wick. Yeah, they they understand the intricate details of what goes into actually making these things happen, you know? Yeah. So that they're they're like an expert and now they're able to share that across the whole project. So that was kind of the case for the creator and like all the visuals that went into it. Yeah, and people who in that in that medium, if they get the chance to work close with a director, then they learn how to direct. If you're a stunt coordinator taking directions from the director, if you're in special effects, which is less common, but if you're in special effects and you get to have a relationship with the director of whatever you're working on, that then you can bridge the gap into being a director. And right. like these people have done, like Chad Sahelski, David Lech for stunt making, and apparently Gareth Edwards for, for visual effects. So um, he's really awesome. Respect the hell out of him. But he, he co-wrote the movie with Chris Weitz. And then the music for this movie by the uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Hans Zimmer. Which I didn't realize that he did the music until after. Yeah, I didn't know that going until into Until either. I saw the credits. I wasn't totally blown away by the music. Can we get a little background music playing for the creator so I can try and jump my memory? It was a while ago. Uh, sure. Is that... Um, I'll, I'll pull that up. Cinematography by, uh, by Greg Frazier and Oren Soffer. Um, Aaron explained to me... Do you, do you want to explain why there's two cinematographers on this movie? Uh, yes. So um, Greg Frazier, right? Yes. Uh, he was the original cinematographer that came on for this project. Also did, was DP for Dune and the Batman and a bunch of other great movies. Which Batman, masterpiece, my favorite movie. <laughs> He's uh, some of the best visu like visuals of all time. He's worked. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of similarities of how the creator was shot. And the Batman, you know, they both use like an old kind of beaten up anamorphic lens. Bro, you Greg know, Frazier like, is just hitting his cameras with a baseball bat before he starts his day of work. Like, be in perfect. <laughs> he's like gonna go walk down the stairs to start the day, and he like he's like rolls the camera down and meets yeah. at the bottom. But from my understanding, he was kind of in on the early production side of things, and then a little bit as they were starting to film, but. He had to leave the project due to scheduling conflicts and overlay with Dune 2, which he is the cinematographer for as well, which is supposed to be visually stunning as well. Unfortunately, that did get pushed to next year instead of coming out later this year. I think it was supposed to come in November, is it, which he's probably contracted, like you said, to, to Dune 2. When he signed on for Dune 1, he probably signed on for multiple For sure, deals, for sure. And that's probably why, you know... The, the filming of this movie kind of ran it. This movie was filmed in 2022 from what January to May, I believe. So Yeah, so I have the exact dates, January 17th, 2022 to May 30th, 2022. Now the story and like all of the concept and stuff was obviously developed way sooner. I think I heard of them like talking about this in like 2015, 16. Oh, that's so, awesome. Like, yeah, they were doing like scouting and like all the all the pre-production stuff that goes into making a movie before the actual film dates, you know. So they they filmed it in what like four months, a little less than. Well, also it's relatively uncommon to have a cinematographer working um, in pre-production with uh, with a director. They'll normally um, yeah. Again, I'm not sure how much he did yeah. in that, but from my understanding, like he was the first one brought on to like help with that stuff. So. Um, that brings us on to our 
editors, Hank Corbin, Scott Morris, and Joe Walker, three editors for this movie. Uh, and then our cast in front of the camera, which is who most people tend to be familiar with, uh, John David Washington playing the main character, Joshua. Uh, you might recognize the name from a bunch of other movies such as Black Klansman or Tenet. He is the son of the legendary Denzel Washington as well. Uh, Madeline Una Voiles is Alfie. Oh, the child in this movie. Uh, Gemma Chan is Maya. Um, spoiler alert for the movie. Skip ahead five seconds if you don't want to hear this. Maya is also Nirmata um, and the daughter of the original Nirmata. Uh, Allison Janney as Colonel Howell. Ken Watanabe as Haroon. Uh, and now some of these names, I really hope I'm pronouncing correctly. I can't always find them online to see a proper pronunciation, but uh, Magar Chada Patel as uh, Sergeant Boy. Uh, Sturdily Simpson as Drew, Mark, Maca Mark Machaka as McBride, Robbie Tan as Shipley, uh, Ralph Innocent as General Andrews, Michael Esper as Captain Cotton, and Veronica Nyo as Kami. And that's our cast. Very nice. I was most personally impressed with the child, uh, or Alfie, played by Madeline Univoyles. I, I thought that she really stole the screen every chance that she was on there, um, delivered the the cuteness and also a lot of like serious acting chops as well. Mm -hmm. Her lines about like, well, neither of us can go to heaven because um, you're not good and I'm not human. Yeah. So she just really sold it for me. And like she was so lovable, like in moments where her life was on the line was where I was most on the edge of my seat throughout the movie because she made herself such an endearing character with her performance. Yeah, I think she had the best acting performance in the movie. Which is shocking to me. John David Washington's a very impressive actor, but I was personally kind of underwhelmed and maybe it was the character. Because the yeah. character, I think the character had a complex arc and background, but for some reason I was not feeling it in terms of the portrayal or performance. Yeah. The background yeah. is crazy, is interesting. Yeah, I... I would agree with you, and that kind of goes into our rating system here. So let's kind of segue okay. right into that. So we got six different categories that we use to break down a movie. This helps us be a little less biased when we're doing a rating for a movie. And the first category is story. Again, we're gonna we're gonna add these all up, and that gives us our total score. First category again, story. This is out of ten. Andrew, what did you punt for story? I gave it a really high score. Um, I'm 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 gonna say right off the bat that these ratings can be fudged a little bit, like depending on they can go a little bit one way or the other. Because like I said, it's a little while off from watching it that I rated it. But I gave the story an eight out of ten. Okay, interesting. I, I, why? Why an eight out of ten? So I gave it an eight out of ten because I like the sci-fi elements and the aspects that they wrote in of really personal nature to a story about the end of the world really like hit home with me. The fact that they included making the um making maya um and joshua fall in love get married and have a child despite the fact that he's entirely undercover he has this real genuine love for her where he wants to protect her and he wants to move he believes in his mind that he can move forward like this delusional idea that he can move forward in a life with her and raise a child with her after this massive betrayal i think is really interesting character work and writing and then to that that was never forgotten throughout the entire story. Yep. His drive is always Maya. Yep. And then the character developmental arc of him through his journey with Alfie coming to see Alfie as a, a real person. And, and through that, that journey, 
he's seeing seeing Alfie as a real person. It teaches him about the concept of maybe all of these these sims that they call them are simulants and and AI robots can also be seen as people. So it's just a huge arc for his character yeah. coming from they're not real. It doesn't matter if they live or die to sacrificing his life for one of them. It's a really cool arc. I didn't necessarily like when, when I look at it on a grand scope, I, that's why I gave an eight because the grand scope plot design wise, I think is really awesome. But then like microscopic level, I just feel like I didn't feel the emotional weight of that transformation in character arc. So that's probably where I dock at the two points. Like I think this could have been like a nine, like nine and a half potentially with you know, just a better, a little bit better delivery. Yeah. What, what did and, you rate? And that? Alfie, before I go to my rating, yeah. Alfie two was a was like based and programmed off of their son, yeah, or daughter, uh, child, the unborn child. Yeah, um, it's so how like that was a cool connection. It's like kind of like this in a way. Alfie is Joshua's kid. It's the only daughter he'll ever have. Right. It's the it's based on the genetic material from his unborn child. Is what the uh, Ken Watanabe's character I think says, or Ken one. Yeah. One. How do you say his last name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so for me, story, I gave it a six out of ten. Really low. I mean, yeah. I I didn't like the ending. I'll say that. Yeah. What was I, your issue so with so it? my biggest issue was I didn't feel the connection of the two main characters that i i needed to be fully invested the entire two hours yeah, I, agree. I i like if we we're, if we're talking about like these like this archetype you know like i'm very connected to joel and ellie you know like they're they're back and forth i understand like ellie's importance to the story i understand the point of view that Joel's coming from, and I understand like how they clash, but then they start to develop to work together to find a common goal. Um, but like, I didn't feel that with this. Like, I, I that's a big element too. I'm I'm docking I'm docking my score right now because you made a really good point. And I think live uh, live yeah, adjustment. I think I and I usually don't do that, but I, I don't think, think you've ever done that. I think you're putting your finger on something that I was feeling that just felt off. And I think it's that 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 character dynamic between the two of them just isn't strong enough, and you're totally right about yes, that. Yes, it's not. It, it's that should have been the most interesting part of the whole movie, right? Like you said, when you like back up and you look at like what the story is, and you map out like all the points, you're like, yeah, this sounds like a fantastic story. I want to see it right now. I want to see it immediately. But then when you watch it, I just don't feel their connection, especially when they first meet, like. I don't know, maybe maybe Alfie could have been more resistant. Maybe, I don't know, I, I feel like her change from like being like super quiet to like now talking a whole bunch of English and being animated, like it just didn't feel smooth and like their dynamic didn't feel I, yeah. smooth and emotional. Like when they were crying at the end and they were like leaving, like I felt the emotion of that moment, but I didn't feel the emotion of like, oh wow, He's like in a way losing his daughter right here. I felt like in a better, in a better story maybe when at that moment that I would have been crying. Yes, I, exactly. I, like it just wasn't like yeah. I think when I said that I felt like the the character arc for him was really good conceptually, but just I didn't feel it shown. I think that's exactly why because the character arc, the foundation of that is his relationship with Alfie, and just it, it wasn't built enough. Yes. Exactly. I didn't feel like the like him annoyed by her turned to like endeared to her turned to like oh I love 
you like you're my, yeah. my daughter and that like i was it, it was kind of it was kind of passive right like it was like hey i have this goal to bring this person in but i don't really want to bring them in because i'm like a retired soldier and i want to find my wife and like then it just slowly transitioned they have that moment on the bus where they're talking about like going to heaven and stuff but like i still don't feel that emotional connection i feel like they just had an emotional conversation yeah. he was like he was like what did he say and i don't even know how to change that yeah. necessarily like he said it's just I think it's something that two performers maybe have to have yeah. together. But the he he said like let's play the game where you let's try not to try to get my friend Joshua not killed by the police. Yeah, like she repeats that later and it's funny. Right. But it's like it just doesn't feel like I don't feel like the love. I guess. Yeah. Something's missing. Yeah. Some, I, something's missing. I think it's just a little extra writing element. That right. Because I don't think it's anything in Madeline's performance. Her performance as Alfie, I think really is good. Yeah. I think that's the reason I, there's could no be the writing, in. the acting, or maybe a even little, the directing. All mixture. Yeah. I think it's a little bit, it's just that slightest bit of misfire. That's the difference between the last of us and that, because in the last of us at the end, when he's like saying that, um, potential spoilers, I don't know where Andrew's going yeah, here. <laughs> it's just a small line, but, uh, for it's like the last episode or something when, when he says like, She's like, yeah, I get it. Like time heals all wounds. And he's like, it wasn't time that did it. Like mm -hmm. I was like crying. <laughs> Balling. I was crying yeah. like, when he said that. Cause it, it was like, it wasn't time that did it. It was you like, yeah, right. That was so I'm getting chills. Just like thinking about how good. And it's the, those two performers, like they mesh really well in and outside of the show. Yeah. Like they're even, friends. Even another example, which I'm sorry, I'm not good with names, but the main character in treasure planet and the cyborg, like um, Jim. Yes, they had a really Jim. good relationship. Like they start off, he's kind of like teasing him, messing with him, like making him do work and stuff. And then he slowly like develops this like love for this boy, you know, and like, and he doesn't then, want to. Yeah. And then there's like, there's this internal conflict that you see on screen and, and like he's, he wants to carry out his mission to find the treasure planet, find the gold, find the, the, the money, the wealth, the fame, whatever. But like this kid, like he's just gravitating towards yeah. him, and you then, know, and then like learning about how it can't help it. Dude, and then like key scenes too, like you yeah. said, like you didn't feel it in the key scenes in the creator, that scene in treasure planet when they're like sitting in the boat and he's like telling him yeah. about how his, like, I think he tells him about how his dad left and stuff like that. But then he still betrays him. Yeah. So it's, but, but then he turns around. Yes. Yeah. So like maybe, maybe with this, there could have been something like that where there was a spot where like he was really contemplating. Yeah killing yeah. or turning off yeah this machine you know like to see that emotional Not drive you oh. know like yeah. another thing that i was missing about the story and i'm glad i remembered this um is that i never really felt alfie's sense of power i never felt like how like the scale of her abilities you know like she's supposed to be this secret weapon that the ai is going to use to win this war that's been going on after the nuclear explosion or whatever years ago but like what can she do like they didn't show us like how important she is to the ai or to the war or like how dangerous she is we never got to see that she was never bad in any way or but, going against humans yeah. in any way but i think what 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 they needed maybe for her was like a badass scene, like something where like yeah. she shut people down and they were like helpless. Right. And they were like, what do we do? Yeah. She, they did highlight her power. Like she got them through the checkpoint and everything. Right. But that was like super chaotic. And all yeah. she did was like turn off the lights basically. Yeah. And like, on the bridge, like she went up to that, 
that was giant cool. bomb that thing. was really cool but even still like it turned back on yeah she stopped the bomb from moving by kind of just standing in front of him and then she got shot it would have been cool if she like if she had it turn around and like run into their enemies yeah it would have been like damn or she's like dangerous or maybe she like makes it combust or something you know like show me how powerful this girl is like i didn't get to like i felt how important ellie was to the story you know, the like, last hope of humanity. Yeah, like Which I didn't feel that. With, that's another archetype of this pairing in these type of movies is like she is like the Christ figure. She's yeah. like the last hope of right. the AI people, the Sims. Like she's there, like Jesus Christ. You know, mm-hmm. the same as Ellie. Mm-hmm. Before we go into our next category, I want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who supports the channel. We post new episodes every Monday and Thursday. Uh, we're we're mainly on YouTube, so if you can hit that subscribe button, oh, it's going to help us out a ton. You know, we're we're at 500 and almost 550 subscribers, so uh, help us get to that mark. Share 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 the show with a friend. That's always helpful. We've got a lot of cool things coming out, which we'll mention at the end of this episode. And, and make sure to hold your friends and family hostage and force them to review the show because the ratings and reviews help us get seen by new people. That's right. So take take a hard stance on that. You guys have been doing great with the comments, by the way. Yeah, We've done a lot of comments yeah. on our videos, and we really appreciate the conversation. It's a lot of fun. It, it really is. But now let's get back into the creator. Our next category is acting. We've kind of talked about this a lot already, so we're going to kind of just say our scores, maybe if one or two points, and then we'll move on to our next uh, topic. I gave this a 6 out of 10. I gave it a 7. A 7? Okay. So. I, feel like an, I feel like the acting never distracted me. Exactly. But it didn't add to the story, I don't think. Yeah, like I said, that that climactic scene at the end should have been really pulling at the heartstrings more. And I think that it's nothing about the necessarily the performance just in that scene, but if the performances leading up to that hadn't maybe caught a, caught our love for the characters a little bit more. Yeah, honestly, none of the acting performances really stood out to me. None of them were bad. Alfie stood out to me, I thought. But, but more, I but more like, than like a for her age kind that's of. That's what I was just going to say. It's like, yes, I that, that's who I said stood out to me in the beginning of this episode, but it's because like her character is six years old. You know, like she's probably what, eight, maybe, yeah. you know, nine, maybe. Maybe a small 10 or something, but, yeah, right. in that range. But like, yeah, like, come on, we have... A lot of good actors and actresses in this movie, but none of them like really stood out to me. I also did not like the main like villain character, the the lady, um, Colonel Howell. Yeah, I didn't like her at all. She she felt like nine years old. She she could have been written a little better, I think. Um, she felt cheesy compared to the rest of the tone of the movie. Well, I felt really like emotional based on her story that she told in the beginning which i feel like was very expositional but like Mm -hmm. she told the story about losing her child i think in the in the ship at the beginning but then that just seemed to be forced in there and then like like you said she was like she reminded me of a worse version of the colonel from avatar which he's already a pretty like cut and dry basic character i feel like yeah but I think he does it better or it's written better or something was better about it. And in this movie, it just didn't, it didn't land for me. I mean, the way she gets defeated too, I think is also pretty boring. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely not like coming away from this and like thinking about the performances afterwards. Like I was with the Batman, you know, thinking about Robert Pattinson in the suit, you know, and like how he portrayed the character and gave this presence on screen. I didn't really get that from this movie, but again, it didn't like distract from the movie in any way but I don't think it added or elevated 
the movie. Yeah, she was not very... Yeah, I, I agree in, in general with the performances too, but let's move on to our next category. This is the category I'm most excited for for pretty much every movie we talk about, but mainly this movie, and that is the cinematography. This encapsulates a lot. So this category is basically how we see what we see. So the, the camera angles, the composition, uh, Andrew's real big on the camera, camera movement, um, but this we also include the editing, and um, the special effects, the VFX, and all that stuff that kind of goes into kind of creating this world in the visual aspect, in the visual sense. And I'm going to go ahead and start out strong here. I gave this a 10 out of 10. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I'm interested to see, because I've done a lot of research on it, and I have some specific reasons why I gave it a 10 out of 10, but I'm interested to see, like, why didn't you give it higher you know why is it an eight what what could have been better for you to get it to that 10 out of 10 so my two favorite things like what you mentioned one of them my two favorite things in terms of cinematography are the length of a shot is held and the movement of the camera and i felt like throughout this movie there were less than five moments that stood out to me in terms of those two things and that was the biggest thing that was missing for me the biggest thing that bolstered it for me was the special effects in this movie and how good they were the robots looked phenomenal. Nomad looked phenomenal. And the the lights coming down from Nomad that were highlighted throughout the movie were so, so freaking cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So so simple too, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> But I just wanted more like yeah, there's some cool shots like the side of the Sims heads and you can like see through them. I mean, that's more like special effects looking really good. I just think that for me it was missing that like jaw dropping factor for a 10. Like when I watched Twelve Years a Slave, I'm like the cinematography is a 10 to me. They're holding shots for minutes, like walking around a scene handheld, holding a shot for six minutes long. Like to me, that's like a, that's a stone cold 10. And this movie is like, I could be argued higher. I could be argued to like an, a nine, but for me, not a 10. Yeah. See, I thought this was visually like perfect. Um, I, I, I get that you value like the camera movement a lot. And you're right. I can't think of too many scenes where there was like a very dynamic like camera moving shot. But like the the scale of everything it just felt so big. But then also like the color grading, something we haven't mentioned yet, like I thought was phenomenal. The lighting is something that we also include in this. They're shooting a lot in dark too. Yeah. Opening sequence on the beach, all dark. And that's what I like. I like when movies like embrace the darkness you know to where it's like almost too dark but then the lighting is intentional to where like you really see what you're supposed to see even on this really wide aspect ratio oh, yeah. when i when i say dark though i mean like shooting at night yeah like, which is like hard a lot of yes, challenges definitely <laughs> as we're gonna find uh, out but yeah right <laughs> um but yeah i i just think the the also the editing i thought was good um so yeah, the, the the everything that kind of went into the production of the cinematography is what I think really elevated it for me. Like you said already, the the robots looked fantastic. The all the ships and whatnot, all the sci-fi aspects looked really cool. Even like the simple like robot heads, you know, like yeah. looked fantastic. You could see like they're missing part of their neck and their shirt like goes inside of that That's where cool. like the human neck would actually be. So like they had to adjust that in post. And um, Nomad is really cool. And a big part of the story, as well as the visual aspect of the movie, Nomad's the giant ship that we see floating in the sky yep. in the movie. And the, not Greg Frazier, uh, Gareth Edwards actually said that he was working on like 
the concept and ironing out all the things with related to Nomad for like throughout the pandemic. Like it was a big part of the movie and it took a lot of focus. I think that it, it played out really well. Nomad like really works in the movie. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to our next category and that is sound design. Well, in cinematography, did you want to talk about the cameras and, and all that? Okay, yeah, we can do that now. I had that a little bit later for like behind the scenes stuff. Hey, wherever you want, boss man. Um, but yeah, we can we can talk about the camera now right, since Aaron, you brought it up. Right, Aaron, tell me about the cameras that they used to film this movie. So typical cameras that are used in movies of this scale are twenty to thirty thousand dollars. But again, as we mentioned in the beginning of this episode, that they ended up cutting down the budget or the projected budget to meet their budget by I don't want to say cutting corners, but by finding tools that help them get the job done uh, at the level that they wanted, but also within their budget. And that is with the Sony Alpha FX3. And this camera, I have it pulled up right here. Um, you can buy this camera for $3,899. Um, Dang, from twenty to 30000 down to below four. Below yes. Below 4K. Yeah, so this is a very, like, accessible full frame uh 15 stops of dynamic range um it's got of course all the other sony like aspects like their color science and stuff which was something that they mentioned that they liked about the camera it can also shoot in the full imax format that they wanted it's got 10 bit which is for the color and all that it's 4k 120 frames per second so they could do really slow motion if they wanted to and all this stuff um, that gives you a perspective on how they cut down this movie from a whopping projected $300 million budget down to just $80 million. Yeah. And for perspective, one of the cameras that we use, the camera angle that's looking at me right here, that's the Canon R5, that's $3,400. So that's right around the same price range, you know, as what just shot a featured film. You know, so like it really goes to show that it's not necessarily the tools these days. It's how you're using those tools to get the job done. Yeah. You know, because at this point, like a GoPro is freaking fantastic. You know, like it's every camera is pretty much good enough nowadays. In my perspective, tell me, tell me about this. Now, I've heard that normally the camera is less expensive than the lenses. Is that exactly, correct? Exactly. Yes. Um which I did have the lens pulled up here, and I might have exited out of it. So let me go ahead and look that back up real quick. Oh, wait, no, I put it right here, actually. Seems so interesting to me that, like, the hardware, you know, this, like, complicated device capturing light, doing all these things, is less expensive than, like, what you would think what you would maybe call, like, a simple lens. Yes. Uh, give me one second to pull up the price here of this lens. They use the Atlas Scope Anamorphic Lens. Come on. Anamorphic again, what we've talked about in the past, the Batman was shot with anamorphic lenses. My mouse is messing up. It won't let me highlight things. There we go. Um, yeah, so the Batman was shot in anamorphic. A lot of sci-fi movies are shot in anamorphic. The an anamorphic lens basically like compresses your shot and then in post. So it, it compresses it and it gets a lot of information in that smaller area. And then in post, you stretch it back out and you get this really wide shot and it ends up doing some cool visual things. One of which is uh, it allows for good depth of field. So you get that um, blurry background and what it does to like the bokeh is it 
creates an oval shape out of it. And then with any light sources, you get those like those blue horizontal light beams, you know, that you see reflecting onto the screen, which kind of goes hand in hand with sci-fi movies, you know, like you think of Transformers, you think of of Star Trek. Yeah, I was just gonna say Star Trek. um, Even the Batman, you know, like you see those those horizontal lines and stuff come in. Um, Let me see. Okay, so this lens, $10,000. So more than the camera for sure. Double. Still relatively accessible though, you know, like um, comparatively because you can also rent this stuff, you know, and, and, um, if you're renting a camera, that's $4,000, it's going to be a lot cheaper than a camera. That's $20,000, $30,000. You got this lens. The lens that they use specifically was an old seventies lens. You know, there's kind of like rustic in a way, you know, it was a little beaten up. It's imperfect, which I think adds to the shot. You know, yeah. and I think it makes it look more artistic. It really gives a style. Well, the movie is gritty. Right. It's like, it's a rustic sci-fi movie, you know? Correct. It's not, like, pristine, like, the world of iRobot, uh, which I think I draw a lot of similarities in terms of plot for this movie to iRobot. But this movie takes place in Southeast Asia. It's primarily filmed. Uh, it's listed on IMDb as Bangkok, Thailand. So... This movie has more of like a boots on the ground feeling, like with a lot of trees and woods, and, and as opposed to like a metallic post like exterior. Yeah. This movie has like a feeling of, like I said, boots on the ground, dirt, nature, and so the robots have that feeling too, like they're gritty, and then the yeah. filming style matches that. So that's how they also cut down on the budget. So continuing with kind of our behind the scenes stuff with the cinematography, how they created these shots is they had a small crew, a small production crew, you know, only a a few people where most productions would have multiple people for one or two tasks, you know. So they, I was watching an interview, Greg Frazier um, and the director's slip in my mind here. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards, thank you. He um, was saying like a lot of the shots for the key light, which is the main source of light, like for us, this, this lantern above us is our key lights, the main source of light. They were just using like a tube light, you know? And so that's really portable. Setting up these lights with these stands, like that takes time. So if you want to move that from the right to, to the left over there, like that takes time, especially if you have a multi-light setup. So yeah, the flexibility it. that just this handheld light gave them, allowed them to travel, allowed them to move. They had one person holding the boom mic so they could be flexible with their shots. It's like guerrilla style shooting. Exactly. And that allowed them to travel. So they basically could go anywhere because now the cost to travel was low enough to where it justified not having to set up these big studio green screens or led screens or whatnot to create these sets they can go to these locations and film things very specifically because again gareth edwards was a vfx artist so he knew what he was looking for for these shots and they could make this movie cheaper by doing so i also heard that they had a five-hour cut of the movie once they had edited it all out and they cut it down to the actual feature film length and then they started working on the special effects. Smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, don't, don't do five the, hours. The visual effects. So, like, they didn't have to do any reshoots of the visual effects. So any shot that these artists were working on on the computer 
we're gonna be in the movie that probably ensures that you get the highest quality when you're like barreling down the density of the amount of right. work your special effects are yeah do. it's like a, him doing a huge favor because he's done that work he might have right. edited a movie where they gave him four hours and then they cut out yeah. much of the work he did it probably pisses you off yeah and they they also that also allows the artist to put more into that specific into what they shot. know will be in the movie right now i do have a question for you in terms of the travel mm -hmm. um, the smaller team did that help them in the third act of the movie when they had to travel to space yeah, so that one was a little bit tricky, and that's where most of the $80 million budget comes from. <laughs> the rocket they built? The rocket that they built to go to space, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to get around that, that going to space costs money, so... You can't, you, there's no other way really to get up there. Yeah, so I think that was like, I don't know, 30, 40 of their million dollar budget, you know, so... Like, did they work with like a prominent like company? Like, did they work with... I think they actually kind of did it on their own. That must have looked like the rocket yeah, they, despicable they, me. They definitely had to like outsource to a smaller company i've never heard of them before it was like cinex 3 or something you know so they had to outsource to that so they were able to get to space probably a little sketchy i'm surprised they were able to convince these actors to go up there but they made it work well john david washington's known for his physicality i mean you've seen have you seen tenet i haven't seen tenet. if you've seen tenet you yeah. know so he, he would go to space yeah i mean why not you but know. moving on from that yeah um the so we talked about the locations we talked about the cameras did you have some information on the the ultra wide ratio that they they had for the movie? Yeah, good setup here. So this camera was shot in the widest um, aspect ratio delivered to cinema, and that is a two point seven six by one. Um, this ratio is also famously used by Ben Hur in the sixties, um, and you can actually see a cut of this movie where you get to see extra parts of the frame on both sides of the screen and you can go to an x theater i think is what it's called and it's basically kind of like imagine i had three laptops right here i had one in front of me and then two right next to that you know one on each side kind of angled in like a three monitor setup that's kind of what you're looking at you're kind of looking at a three monitor setup so there's like a little bit of a line you know to where those ends kind of angle in a little bit but now you have this ultra ultra wide view of the movie and i don't think there's a lot of those theaters there's not one around us well can you give the audience some locations because i think i remember you saying you've been to like three of them right like you said something about going to a triple x theater or something like that i've never been to one <laughs> i see what you did there. i see what you did there very nice very well, i'm nice. sure i'm sure you can find those online if you're really interested yeah. in seeing the movie i'm I, I wonder what he's even missing off the edge of the frame. Like, I'm sure it's just more landscaping, but like, yep. imagine there's just like, there's a character that's in the edge of the frame the whole movie. He's, there's like a character who, an actor who got cut from the whole movie. He's like, what? <laughs> I knew the camera wasn't pointed at me. Uh, like, I'm Gareth Edwards, like a little further to the left, a little yep. further to the left. <laughs> and he's like, Don't worry, you're still in frame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm acting my ass off over here. What are you? Where's, where's the? That's the piece we were missing. That's the that per, that third is part of the trio. Yeah, that connect. It really brought together. Dang it! We, we need, just need to go to see the movie in the right format. So right, we kind of have to zoom through our if we want to hit a certain time. We have to zoom through our last couple three here, or maybe yeah, pick up our clip a little bit would be a yeah. better description. Not zoom. All right. So we got sound design as our next category. This is also out of ten. This encapsulates encapsulates both the score and the, like the foley work. The the um, soundtrack and all of that. So Andrew, what did you give the sound design for this movie? I I gave it a seven out of 10. Okay, I gave it an eight. 
Okay. I feel like that was really good, but at the same time, it didn't like stand out to me. But it didn't. It definitely didn't distract. Yeah. I felt like I was in the environments. You know, like I feel like I was in the locations that I was so encapsulated by the visuals side of things. And part of the visuals is the sound. You know. Yeah. So for that reason, I gave it that higher score of eight. I can see it getting away with a seven, like you said, yeah. you know. Uh, I hate to give Hans a seven, but I, yeah. the Foley work is really cool. They're inventing mm -hmm. a lot of sounds for mm -hmm. these robots, the sound sure. of their hinges and joints. Like yep. you can really clearly hear it when that like uh, kamikaze robot is yep. running and you, yep. zzz, zzz, you can yep. like, hear it like running in and their even metal like, feet clinking. Even the, the mechanisms in the robot's neck, you can hear you can hear that really well. This doesn't feel like Hans's absolute best score to me, obviously. Right. Yeah. It feels like it's good, but maybe not super memorable. Right. It fits with the vibe of the movie really well. He's always really good at that. Right. It's got that synthy feel that, that Hans is, you know, is characterized by, but it just didn't feel the most maybe I'll change my mind in years to come, but it doesn't feel the most memorable. Um, but yeah, the, the I, I didn't love like the laser sounds or some of the gun effects. Like maybe a little cheesy, um, not super distracting, but yeah, it just lands me at a lukewarm seven. Um, okay, our next category is set and character design. So this is pretty much everything in shot that kind of adds to the location. You know, like what do the buildings look like, what does the interior look like, what's what is that on the desk over there? You know, like. Um, and then also, like, what are the characters wearing? What? How do the? How are the robots designed? Um, the landscape and all of that. I gave this a five out of five. Oh, um, fantastic! Yeah, I thought it looked amazing. You know, and, and maybe you could have been hinted at that at the high score I gave the cinematography. But there's nothing in there that I would have like been able to say to improve upon, and that's kind of why I landed at such a high score. Like you said earlier, like the robots looked fantastic. They looked real. Um, and the vast like variety of landscapes that we saw, like they made the scale of the, the locations look so big, you know, and like they're filming on this one little baby camera, you know, like they're and they're not on a big movie set. They're they're traveling all over. And I think for that reason, because it's all it feels so real. Uh, I gave it a five out of five. Yeah, it did feel really real. I felt like those robots, I would be able to touch them. Yeah. Like they, they looked very real in mm -hmm. the world. And um, I, I gave it a four out of five, a really, really strong yeah, score. Pretty, pretty close. It's to, for me, not perfect, not a five out of five, but I really sure. liked the rustic look. I liked the like tattered clothes and like yeah. the minimalist um, appearance of everything. It's, the set was really cool. I love that they chose to shoot in, in Thailand. I thought that it was really beautiful and a change of pace for movies like that. Um, I always love to see movies filmed, you know, internationally. So it was, it was really cool. It was like realistic or sorry, futuristic, but not too far. Yeah. It was future you know? and also like futuristic, but dirty, which is right. always a cool aesthetic. Yeah. The robots were really cool. I liked that kamikaze robot a lot and I liked how it had a personality. It like said something like a battle cry when it first went or like it like thanked her. It was like, it's been an honor to work with you or something. And then it's like, give it like a personality. So the, right. the design was really cool. Our last category that we use to rank movies or rate movies is rewatchability. This is the category to me that's like most important in me like saying like, this is a good movie. You know, like if I can rewatch this movie over and over again, like that tells me that this movie was really good, you know? And this is out of five points as well. I gave this a two and a half and 
I feel like that's mainly because of how it looked, mainly because of the production side of things, not necessarily because of like the story, the acting, and what most people think of when they go and see a movie. Yeah. So you, you what, did, what did you give it? You don't have to defend your score to me. I gave I gave it a two. Um, so I, I'm right same on the same part. page as yeah. you. Um, that I I don't think it's a movie that I will be like looking forward to rewatching a bunch of times. Like maybe maybe I'll give it another couple watches in the future, but it's not something I was yearning for rewatch leaving the theater and, and even now yeah. still. It's just it's, the story to me is not something I super. It's like something to. that I would reference a lot, you know, in terms of like adding to my repertoire of creating. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that's part of what yeah. goes into the rewatchability yeah. for me. Something you know, we like, can learn from. Yeah, it's it's inspiring. You say about Blade Runner 2049 that you could just put that on silent and watch the whole movie, you know, like because it's so visually stunning. I feel like I could do that with this. Like do just kind of have it on the screen in the background while I'm editing or working and like I look at it and watching parts of it and I'm like inspired yeah. because of it. Dude, how cool is that scene with the, like the hologram when he comes out of the pool? Yeah. And, and yeah. like they showing the hologram across the water that yep. visually really awesome. Yeah. And then, but like when he comes out of the pool, he's like putting his appendages back on or his um, prosthetics back on. That's like another aspect that makes me think this movie is really similar to iRobot. Like he's, yeah, we, we haven't even touched on that yet. Yeah. It's, it's very similar. It's like he's, he's, it's basically a guy who's been harmed in the past by robots by, or we think, so we think, cause the plot will ultimately unveil that it was like the, that, the robots, the AI did not cause that explosion, but right. so he's now an amputee, just like Will Smith's character. He doesn't like the robots in the beginning. He meets one of the AI, just like Sonny. Alfie's just like Sonny. They turn the character around, and then they're they're fighting to protect the robots from the corrupt. Which the robots are corrupt in iRobot. The humans are kind of corrupt in uh, the, this new movie, The Creator. I also wanted to say there was another aspect for character design I thought of, mm. which is that the kamikaze robots, which I'm really focused on these because I think they're a cool concept, but they're the robot only robots designed to not have a head. So I think they yeah. don't have a head or face to dehumanize them because they're being sent into battle to explode as kamikaze robots. But mm -hmm. the every other AI robot in the story has like some sort a, of a head, face. At yeah, least a head, right. You know, if it doesn't have a human face. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, kind of like what was the total score then? I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Wow, that's a much higher than mine. I gave it a 6.8. It originally, I originally had a like a 7.2, but after hearing you talk about the story and docking at a point, it came down to 6.8. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's the visuals and the, the creation of the creator <laughs> that kind of gave it that elevated score. Like, I could definitely see a 6.8 and be like yeah that sounds valid that sounds right i mean 6.8 to 7.5 is the is within the range of like imdb i think imdb was like a 7.6 yes so, it was there's other cool elements to this story we can talk about if you want to take some time to go maybe a little bit more into the story we can talk about uh like the ai elements yeah let's let's talk about ai and then we can go into like our little announcement that we're gonna have cool yeah, so the main aspect of the AI element that I wanted to talk about is philosophically slash morally, um, what do you think of Alfie and in general the Sims in this story? So to recap for the audience, this story, um, it starts off by letting us know that the AI population supposedly nuked 
uh, I believe it's Los Angeles, some major city so, in the yeah. U.S., killing a bunch of people, initiating a war that goes on between humans and AI. The AI has been pushed to the brink. They're on their last stand in Southeast Asia. Humans are trying to narrow down to find Nirmada, who is this human who is the creator of AI and who refuses to like give up on this species that they created. Nirmada is kind of portrayed as similar to a god in terms of the AI community. So Nirmada is actually Hindu for the creator, which is the title of the movie. Now, the our character Joshua is an undercover agent for the US military pretending to fight alongside the AI, the Sims and the robots in order to um, fight against humanity and, and push the last stand of AI so that they can have their freedom. Now, we come to find out at the end of the movie that the robots actually, the AI, did not launch this attack on humanity. Humanity launched it on themselves, that uh, robot, that the AI actually simply just want to live in peace. They say, you know, he says, you know what will happen if the AI win this war? Nothing. We'll, like, we'll go on to live and coexist with humans. We don't want to wipe out humans. We just want to be, able to be free to exist. Mm -hmm. So there's a cool, powerful story there. Like I talked about the story being good, conceptually being a really good, interesting story. Um, but the the bigger questions of the movies are kind of about war and peace and life and scientific advancement. So that's what I love about sci-fi. It always had such deep themes, even though people are like, oh, like science fiction, like that's for kids. No, not nah. <laughs> You're on the wrong track. Um, the, but what do you think about these big questions? And I'll, I'll, I'll narrow in on the one I originally asked, which was like Alfie and The Sims, like they're human, right? To me, they are. Not, not human, they're alive. They're alive. Um, it's, it certainly seems like they're alive, right? Like they're, they're thinking for their own, they're, de they're growing, they're, they're developing, they have connections with one another. Like they're not just completing a task, you know, like they're, they're self-efficient. Yeah. You know, they, they so talk like about an ex machina that one of the human tests, cause in ex machina, the whole plot is that they're trying to test if like AI is truly thinking or just mm -hmm. programmed to have like potential thoughts. Is she yeah. truly thinking her own thoughts? And one of the things they say is the best indicator is to lie. Like, cause lying insinuates that you have your own motives. You know, mm -hmm. you're saying something to deceive, not, you know, to meet a goal. So I think that these beings in here by that test, they think they definitely have the propensity to lie. They seem to have the propensity to love. And yeah. they seem to have a propensity for their own religious beliefs. Things that, like, yeah. That's what, I guess, separates it from machine to being alive is like feelings. I, you would, know, like, I would say they have a soul. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the feelings, you're right. Because like animals, they feel, you know, like yeah. they, if a dog's owner passes away, the dog's sad. Yeah. You know, like if the dog's owner's been away at work and comes home, the dog is happy. Yeah. You know, so that's not just like you can program something to to talk like Siri is programmed to respond. If you give right. Siri has like a million potential responses that are coincided to one particular input. So like a human can be designed like that, you know, an AI can be designed like that to have potential responses, but to feel, to truly mm -hmm. when somebody says, I hate you, to truly feel sad, as opposed to have the automated response to say, I hate you too, is right. I think the difference. And I, I think that they possess this the, the the ability to have that feeling to have yeah. that that internal that internal emotion and i think you're right that that's what makes them have a soul they're not human the the tagline to the movie is humanity evolves and i always think it's goofy when they say that towards ai because if we create something like ai and the ai evolves i think that's one thing they have, the AI, ai begins to learn and evolve but how is ai the evolution of human, humanity 
you know, especially like, if it's what's causing the humans to go extinct. Well, that's basically why they say evolves because that's what right. evolution does. You know, yeah. like the the Homo sapiens that were we evolved faster, so we wiped out um, Homo erectus. Right. You know, so like that's the line I think they're trying to draw, but like we're not a true evolution. AI is not a true evolution of us because it's it's something different. Like right. it's a robot, you know? Yeah. It's, it might be more advanced than us, but that doesn't mean it's an evolution of us. Maybe I'm just overthinking. No, it's no, like, I, I, a... I definitely <laughs> see where you're coming from. I mean, like, like you said, back in prehistoric times, like one is developing or evolving quicker, you know, so the other one like disappears, like, but they were both naturally occurring. Yeah. A robot AI is not naturally occurring. They wouldn't be here if humans or some other species made them. Yeah, that's like saying, and the you know might be a false equivalence, but the that's like saying if you're reading the Bible and God creates man, that's like you reading that and saying humanity evolved from God, like with like humanity's an evolution of yeah. God, which is not not the case, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're not an evolution of Nirmata or the Creator. They're a creation. <laughs> they're right. a, a product. Yeah. So I just think that that line is interesting. Maybe it's humans evolve to live with. Oh, well, that's AI. yeah. That's rather than to fight AI. That's a better perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's the. I mean, hopefully that's like the end result that we're seeing. Like the optimistic mm -hmm. view of the end of the movie when Joshua sacrificed himself and we see Alfie smiling out of the pot at the end. Like the smile is the hope for the future that they can coincide and live together. Now, what about this question? Should these kind of AI robots be created in the first place? Yeah, that's like because like if they like the weren't Jurassic created, yeah, if they weren't created in this world, this war wouldn't have happened. Sure, another war probably would have yeah. taken its place. What do humans do best? They fight. Yeah, you know, they argue, they disagree. But if we didn't make these beings that are capable of developing quicker than us, being stronger than us, being more advanced, like. You know, like, it, 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 is that the issue? Like, making them in the first place? Like, where do we draw the line? Like, there's a lot of AI stuff going on now, and everyone's, the big talk is like, oh, it's taking jobs or it's taking money from people, you know, by using their likeness in movies and stuff. And, like, all of that stuff's valid, but we're not yet having robots or live in cohesiveness with humans yet. I know like Tesla's like working on something <laughs> like that. You know, have you seen those Tesla robots or whatever? But like, we're not at that point yet, but like, should those things be made in the first place? Or should AI just be a tool to help us do like projects quicker? Yeah, I do think we're hitting that point where we're probably like basically progressing ourselves into regression. You yeah, know? like, cause I see AI as a like creative tool. You know, like I use AI on like Photoshop or like video editors and stuff, you know, to help create my vision for a project, but I'm not using like someone else's likeness, yeah. you know, but, you, see, but like, then I'm also not using AI to be my best friend and my yeah. helper, or my yeah. servant around the house, you know, like I don't, if something like if something thinks and you're designing it to help you and it thinks on its own, like, is that 
enslaving it. Like that's yeah. it's it's interesting as a concept and it's potentially very You're dangerous. Like, we can't own humans anymore. Uh, Gosh darn it, we need a robot. We need to create something we can own. <laughs> but like I don't know, it's that boundary of scientific discovery because you never want to stand in the way of scientific progress. You want you like you're like, oh if we can do it, we should be able to find out what we can do. We should progress. Right. But then there's also the point of view like, have we made the world better by inventing an atomic bomb like yeah. is the world a genuinely better place or is that too is it, are well, we that's the thing with dangerous? with inventions like do people in these positions that can create these things think about that whether they should or shouldn't or is it i can so i will yeah and there's also the question that they're probably asking themselves is why should i bother asking whether i should do something if i don't even know if i can right you know like when you're on that road to like or like finding if, out if you can if i don't do it someone else will someone else will they'll do it faster someone else that some someone, it'll be more dangerous yeah. if it's yeah. in their hands somewhere else I so i gotta get it. there first yeah so it's there's a lot of really interesting questions and like it's it's like vision says like competition breeds catastrophe like yeah. in response to the ai developing and advancing in this movie the humans build nomad and nomad's like the huge multi-trillion dollar project that's like the world ender it's like yeah, nomad eyes is in the sky nomad's basically everything that they didn't want ai to be because ironically yes because nomad is literally going out and wiping villages nope. whether they're artificial intelligence or humans it's like oh well you shouldn't have been there if you were humans kind of thing you know like it does they don't care who they're wiping out as long as they're stopping this technology yeah. from evolving so nomad stands for north american orbital mobile aerospace defense and i think it's interesting that the goal in this movie of the ai is to shut it down rather than to take command of it because mm -hmm. by taking command of it with alfie they could effectively control the entire world but they're right. really portrayed as altruistic which is an interesting perspective considering now the danger and fears of AI, this movie is like taking that's the opposite a, approach. That's another question. Like, why was moment. Alfie made in the first place? Because um, it seems like the AI doesn't want to use her. Oh, well, I think it's being made to be the savior of the um, of the AI. They're, they believe that one day Alfie will grow strong enough to basically be able to shut down Nomad from the ground. Because okay. if they say at one point in the movie that her range increases. So not to take over the world, yeah, they're, but to yeah. save their quote-unquote species from human destruction. Yeah, the big plot twist in the movie is that Maya is Nermada. Yeah. And I think Nermada's goal, just like the rest of the AI, is to live in peace. Even yeah. if they may like kind of hate humans for what's going on right now, mm -hmm. they don't want to become the villains of their own story, maybe, is the yeah. motivation. motivation. I like it. Let's make new words. If people could make humans or human-esque beings, like why can't we make up new words? Honestly, that's- hey, I make up new words all the time. They say all, they say all words are made up. Yeah, the aerosms. <laughs> Um, okay, kind of twist or switch in tones here. We have a little bit of announcement. We, we kind of hinted at it a little bit throughout this episode, but basically for the first time, Andrew and I are going to be working on a short film. So very excited. I've been wanting to do a short film for a long time, and now it's happening. Yeah. Me and you are creating a short. Yeah, we're super, super pumped, uh, planning to co-direct. Yep. And um, and planning to maybe get our acting on a little bit. We're in the we're in our pre-production stage right stage right now, which makes us sound cool like filmmakers. Yeah. Um, things are happening quickly yeah, though. Yeah, we've we've mostly ironed out the script, and Aaron went through and made a shot list. Yep. So we're well on our way to hopefully having something to put on our YouTube page. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, we're we're gonna use it to post on Backseat Directing's YouTube page. 
And I'm excited to see what we can do, you know, because we we have the tools that we need, you know, or, or most of them at least. And we I think we're both pretty creative. You know, we've made a lot of things in the past and now it's time for us to make like a, a narrative. Yeah. And that's what for me is like what got me into this field in the first place. You know, like I told my sister uh, that, hey, we're, me and Andrew, we're finally making a short film. I'm so excited, blah, blah. She's like, oh, it's about time. Like, I remember when we were kids and you would bug me all the time to make a movie with you. Yeah. You know, and we shot little movies on like our little iPads and I would edit them on like Windows editor and stuff <laughs> like that. So like, we're finally making a short where we're doing some scouting and all this stuff, you know, for locations and whatnot. So we've always been big pro, uh, proprietors and, and inspired by the notion that like, just pick up and go and, and work and try and be creative and try and do something and put out what you can do. And I think now we're embodying that. Hopefully we can put out something and maybe show someone out there who thinks that they can't start and make their own short film, maybe show them that they can because we're yeah. doing it with very little materials. And yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, that was like kind of our whole thing with this podcast. Like, let's just start. Like when we first started this podcast, like we had crappy lapel mics and this room wasn't painted. We had a desk and a couch. Like Dude, that was it. You I was know? listening to some tech talks from, from back then the other day. Ooh, and it's, brutal, the right? audio was brutal. The yep. room was ugly. The, the, the flow of our episodes was like, you can tell like we were, we're like going to figure it out yeah. and stuff. But like, yeah, we were still learning. Yeah. So. Hopefully that's like an example we're setting. And I'm excited to have that conversation with people and share that what, what we make with people so that we can like kind of, we can grow and yeah. we can like have continue that conversation about content. So Andrew, how long does it take to make a short film? When is this going to be out on YouTube? You think? I don't know. I have no clue how long it's going to take you to yeah. edit. Yeah. Like, that, that's the tricky part with this. We're excited to announce it, but we really don't know when it's coming out yet just because it's our first time, you know? I mean, and probably like, sometime in the first quarter of next year. Yeah, there's, think, there's right? a lot of variables that go into this. Um, I think it might have a faster turnaround than our D&D just because of the length of <laughs> yeah. it. You know, that's a six-hour project right now, you know, and I had to listen to every part of it to yeah. go through and put all the effects and stuff. And we're looking at less than 10 minutes probably. I think this will be like four to five minutes, uh, maybe just a little bit longer, depending on how much like transitional B-roll shots that we add in. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot shorter and each shot's like planned out, you know, like so pretty much right now things are going really fast. Like we, we came up with this idea or you came up with this idea and we started bouncing from there like what a week ago. Yeah. And then week we filmed. Yeah, we, we we were like, hey, let's Andrew. Andrew's going to write the script. So I was like, hey, in two weeks, have the script ready. In three days, he had the script ready. Well, I, I wrote it in like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Not, not to set up you guys for disappointment. <laughs> I think the script is good. I mean, it may not be. It's probably not well, the best thing that, in the world. It's our first time. The but, first draft. I mean, we yeah. workshopped it. I mean, yeah, we went back and forth on the yeah. script a lot. We made a shot list from there. So like we're already like a week ahead of schedule in terms of the script. But we also have a whole bunch of other stuff. We have our actors. We have our people, our crew that's going to help oh, yeah. us we're, shoot. We're like, hoping, we're hoping to stream too. Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, Still ironing out. Yeah, we're hoping to stream the new Spider-Man video game that comes out on October twentieth. Spider-Man two. Uh, so we're we're hoping to stream that. If not, the very least, we'll have an episode, kind of first reactions, and hopefully some of our gameplay from it. Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying to do a lot of new things, you know, at the end of this 
year here as we wrap up 2023. And that's that's the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast was to create, to have this podcast be an avenue for us to create things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for what's to come. Yeah. So really, thank you if you've listened this far. This has been one of our episodes on maybe a little bit of the longer side. So really appreciate anybody that's still listening at this point. And hopefully you'll stick around for these upcoming projects. We're trying to branch into new areas. We're trying to be really creative. And I'm just having a ton of fun. This movie was enjoyable. It was a good time. And I'm glad to talk about it. I'm glad we have this outlet. Um, It's, you know, something that I didn't always have in the past. So it's nice, like, it gives, I'm, gives I'm, us something to look forward I'm to. I'm glad to be here. This yeah. is a, a time yeah. for me. I feel like I'm looking back with some gratitude at just this this random moment in time. Yeah. So we post new full episodes of the podcast itself every Monday and Thursday. So you can check us out every week on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, we're also on all the social medias. We're there posting daily. So hit us up in the comments and whatnot. Start uh, Continue the conversation with us. Um, Thank you so much for the support, and that's a wrap. wrap.